Wildcats to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Softball Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. We got a full panel, folks. After uh, my solo venture last week, we've got we got our folks back, man. So uh, on the show today, we've got Jessica Euler, fresh off the road from Boise. Jessica, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Very fun nine and a half hour car trip yesterday and excited to go to bed here soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jessica made the trip, uh, did did basically a day trip up to the conference tournament, saw the Wildcat women play, take on Montana State. Uh, unfortunately, you know, a rough second half for them and uh, Wildcats uh, end up losing in the quarterfinals, but a good showing overall. And so, uh, and then right back in the car, right back to Ogden. So <laughs> committed. May uh, well, just do it again Friday. We'll see how tomorrow goes. <laughs> we'll see how tomorrow goes. <laughs> uh, we've also got Dan Hubbler fresh off of uh, a stint with the storytelling festival last week. Dan, thanks for coming back, man. It's good to be back. And yeah, I'm feeling recovered from that. And uh, because we're talking softball, I had to put an outfit on because I feel like they outclass like all of the teams, basically Nevada, the entire state of Nevada. Is that what we're saying? That's right. Um, some teams in the SEC have heard that maybe, possibly, we'll and then pretty much anyone who faces uh, Arissa Henderson is going to have some trouble. And so, I figured I had to step it up. And so, I tied this myself. Thank you, YouTube. So, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if you guys are cheap trick fans, but Dan's looking like Rick Nielsen right now. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> no. Anyway, look him up. Rick's like Rick, Niel- Rick Nielsen. Yeah. He's the guitar player for Cheap Trick. Look it up. You look just like him, I think, right now. That's what I was going for. I don't know who that is, but sure. He's great. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for sure. And then, of course, we've got the Signpost's own Simon Mortensen, who also just fresh off of the road from Boise, was up there for a couple of days to cover the conference tournament for the Signpost and, and now back in the friendly confines of Ogden, Utah. Simon, how yeah. you doing? I'm doing good. That uh, that drive back from Boise was not very fun, but um, <laughs> yeah, I heard uh, I heard things got a little hairy. Ended up having to pull over in Twin Falls. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty close to Twin Falls. A little place called Eden, and I uh, had to go off into this gas station for uh, about an hour or two, and uh, then wait for the roads to clear up. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> wild, just wild. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're glad everybody made it back safely from Boise and also from, you know, one of our favorite events, uh, my favorite event um, each year put on by Weaver State, the Storytelling Festival. But um, let's talk about tonight's show. We're going to be doing a a weekend review. So like Dan noted, Wildcats down in in Fullerton at the Cal State Fullerton tournament last weekend to take on Texas A&M, number six UCLA, University of Seattle. University of Pennsylvania, Cal State Fullerton, the host, and then a little extra game there on Tuesday night, last night against Cal Baptist. So we'll talk about all of those, talk about highlights from those. Uh, Before we get into that, though, folks, we want to encourage you to subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, check us out. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, good places to hear Weber State Weekly on your phone. You can, if you're the person who listens to podcasts on your computer, that's cool, too. I don't know any people like that, but if you're that person... Good on you. Uh, please also rate us. Give us, give us, a, give us the five stars. Give us the thumbs up on Spotify. We'd really appreciate that. And then uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, great places to interact with us. And then we've got a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. And that is where you support the work that we're trying to do to highlight sports up at Weber State. We also want to shout out tonight's sponsor, Studio 9-8. If you're looking for a ring that isn't run-of-the-mill, go check out Studio 9-8. They're a local jeweler run by a fellow Wildcat who's a former football player as well, and he loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do. So check out their website. That's Studio 9-8.com. That's Studio N-I-N-E 
and the number eight.com and behold their beautiful rings that lots of them made from all kinds of different wood. I noticed that they had olive wood from Jerusalem there, which you know, when I took my trip there, you know, I bought some of that, uh, all kinds of stuff. So check it out. And of course the flying W ring, I think it's a, uh, I think you have to request it. I was going through the website the other day and I didn't see the flying W ring on there, but I think if you send them a message, they could definitely do it. So check them out. It's a beauty. Studio98.com. Appreciate them for their support of Weaver State Weekly. All right, folks, let's talk a little bit about this weekend um, because it, it kicked off with a banger. Um, right out of the gate, uh, the Wildcats take on the SEC's Texas A&M. And at the time, I think A&M was 12-2. and two. Was, was that right? If I remember that right. Going into that game, and so a Power 5 opponent, you know, uh, a very serious softball um, conference. And it's like, how is this going to go? And uh, Arissa Henderson, my goodness, folks, like she dominates on the mound and the Wildcats end up getting the dub against against Texas A&M two to one close game, but a win nonetheless. I mean, let's talk about that, folks. I mean, because that that's the first SEC win in program history. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's one of the things we kind of brought it up on the show um, a couple of weeks back. Uh, we were talking about Arissa Henderson, and um, you know she was playing good, but it, it wasn't like um, it wasn't like what she's doing right now. And I kind of said we, we haven't seen the best of Arissa Henderson yet, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing like just prime condition Arissa, just destroying it on the mound. And you beat an SEC team like that, especially with Weaver State, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, it, it's one of those things. It, it's exactly what these seniors were looking for with um, Casey and everything like that. They're just looking to be at that top level and uh, to be able to be competitive with these big teams. And so I think that's exactly what happened. They, they showed we're, we're competitive with, you know, major schools. So it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, a, a monster win against a really good program. Um, and so, right now, I mean, A and M, their current RPI is twenty eighth. So, of all of the of the teams in the country, you know, they're they're basically the the twenty eighth best team in the country right now. The Wildcats get the dub over them. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty big deal. Dan or um, Dan or Jessica, I mean, Jessica, you you personally, you you've went, you've gone to an SEC team. You've seen how they play. I mean, this is a big deal. So talk to us about that, about, about seeing a, 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 I mean, A&M a newcomer to the SEC, but still, you know, competitive nonetheless. It is. I mean, it's, it's a tough conference. I, I didn't realize until just now that I was wearing an Arkansas shirt. You know, I mean, Arkansas is good year after year in softball. That's the teams yeah. they're playing. They've got Florida coming up. Who's ranked number four. They played Oklahoma state ranked 11 and we're close Texas A&M. This is so like, it's a tough conference and a tough team. And for Arissa to get seven strikeouts and how many hits did she hold them to like minimal hits um, is just super impressive. And of course, you know, this isn't Arissa on her own, but it certainly felt like the Arissa show against AM. And I think that it just that kind of showing against that kind of team is is truly incredible and shows just how much we've built our softball team over the years. Um, and we've talked about this over and over, but you know, you have a solid foundation, you continue to grow and bring in an outstanding pitcher like Arissa to complement the fantastic pitchers we already have. And I, I think we really start to be competitive at that national level and gosh, it's been exciting to see so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you shouted it out there. I mean, the kinds of competition that, that, um, this power, this particular power five um, conference produces um, a, a big win. And, you know, to go back, Arissa Henderson giving up just one run 
almost okay, almost, that's what it was, yeah. almost a no hitter of a fantastic team. She's just absolutely on fire. Dan, your take on the Texas A and M win? Does Arissa have a nickname yet? Uh, you're welcome to give her one. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if it'll stick, but um, Arissa at the helm, Henderson. So I don't know. We'll see. Definitely yeah. a steady uh, hand on the mound. Oh my goodness. When, yeah, when she's on the mound, yeah, the team just, they show up, they do amazing things. I saw the two runs, Mia and Mia and Frack. Is that right? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yep. Faith Ho double to left field gets Mia Rushton in, in the first, that's the first run scored. And so, yep. Faith's nickname is Frack. <laughs> I'm working on these nicknames and, and I went to the TikTok and I couldn't find their TikTok. I don't know if it's down or not, but I, I couldn't find it. So I don't know. Maybe Arissa has one on there, but if not, we will ask that they uh, record one and they can correct the nickname if they need to. But yeah, um, I don't mean any offense to my amazing Razorback alum friends that may or may not be on the panel today because I think they're awesome. Uh, they know that, but being an Oklahoma state fan, we've heard the sec cheer more than we prefer to hear from time to time. So to know our Wildcats shut that down kind of warmed my heart in that game. I enjoyed that. So, and, and it, it wasn't Arkansas fans cheering, cheering SEC. It would have been, and it would have been the Aggies and I'm okay with that. I gotta tell you what, but if we play them ever, I, I'm going to root for Weber state of Arkansas just because I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there because it's just just another thing I want to know is Arissa was in all seven innings, right? Like no, it was game. no quit. She played all lights out the whole game against an SEC team and held. It's just it was it was an incredible showing. Yeah, I don't know how she stays in it for that long. And she's played consistently in so many games. Mm -hmm. uh, my arm hurts if I'm writing for five minutes sometimes. And so, yeah, very impressed. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Dan, uh, Jessica said nice things about Oklahoma State now. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> she said nice things, is that what you said? I did. Yeah. I said they're ranked 11, A&M's playing them. Then you come back at Arkansas, I tell you. Just what. so we're clear, I love Arkansas. The, the rest <laughs> of the SEC, not so much. A, a dear friend of mine who was an Oklahoma State graduate is faculty at the University of Arkansas, and we actually had a conversation last week. So, yeah. Uh, Woo Pig Sui, am I doing that correctly? Mm -hmm. You are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to enthusiasm, but we'll work on that. <laughs> we'll work on that. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, like you, said, like you said, folks, uh, an absolutely massive win. The first SEC winning program history for the Wildcats. Um, a, a big win for them, and that obviously helps their, their ranking. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that because we noted that Texas A&M, first, uh, they're currently ranked 28th in the RPI. Uh, the Wildcats now with that win and and others that they have they have achieved over the over the course of the season, you know, wins like beating UNLV uh, twice, not just once, but twice on their home turf. Um, wins like that really help to kind of help climb in the rankings. So right now the Wildcats sitting at 41st. Now the, now the NCAA tournament takes 64 teams. Should that hold, the Wildcats would be considered not just for a bid because they would be conference champions, but say something weird happened and they didn't win their conference championship, there potentially could be, you know, an at-large bid available to them just because of the strength of the schedule and their wins. 
Let's talk a little bit about that because I think that it's interesting that this non-conference schedule right now has been so strong that it has afforded the Wildcats this opportunity to be 41st in RPI over the course of the season. Now, we don't know what's going to happen because I think that once they get into conference play, that number will climb down, even if they continue to win, um, just because that's the nature of of thing. You know, they, those kinds of things, they they weigh competition very, very heavily. But thoughts on being ranked essentially 41st in the country. Let's get our yeah, tickets to Oklahoma City. Let's do it now. Are, are we going to do a road trip to Oklahoma City? Or are we going to sure. fly? Yeah, we'll road trip it, Dan. Road trip? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know that's the pie-in-the-sky dream for the College World Series, but I don't know. I think this is probably the most complete team in the history of the program. Am I too bold in saying that? Probably. I I honestly think it's a good take. I think like, you know, we have nine conference championships with um, Coach Amy Cohen at the helm and just an incredible, just an incredible program. But um, I've never, I've never seen anything like this. Um, I, I've never seen a pitching mound that has that much firepower. And, you know, we got Faith Ho, uh, Larno, uh, Claude Camarero, I mean, Rushton, um, Mo Ramirez, everything like that. Um, and we saw even Arissa Henderson started hitting like, hitting some bombs over the, over the week. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like, what are you going to do against Weber state now? Like it's, it's tough. And so, yeah, I, I definitely um, feel like if they win the conference tournament, this is going to go down as probably the, you know, team to beat as far as Weber state history is concerned. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with everything that you both said. And Colby, I agree with what you said, just because RPI is calculated based on strength of other folks schedule just as much. I think once we get into the conference season, we're going to start to see that adjust a little bit, but this showing isn't going to be something that's forgotten, right? Like the, how the showing we've had against UNLV and Fullerton and even UCLA, right? Like, folks are going to be a little bit more hesitant when we start looking at those schedules moving forward because of just the power that this team is bringing. And I think being ranked uh, 41st in RPI right now is I'd love to go back and see like how high we've gotten before with that strength of schedule. I think that speaks a lot to coach Amy Cohn and the schedule that she's able to put together, but a lot about our team and just our showing. And I, I think it's going to be exciting to see once we get through conference championships and just to see if we continue to dominate in the conference. Cause I can't imagine that we wouldn't. And I think that this is a badge of honor really that we're ranked this high. Yeah, I think that um, it's a credit to Coach Amy because it's one thing to schedule those games, right? Like you can go mm -hmm. out there, you can chase those games and try and get them um, and then just kind of see what happens. Um, but in this case, not only are those games getting scheduled, but they're being won. Yeah. And that puts the Wildcats, I think, in an in interesting position as time goes on. Um, and, it, and maybe it does. It helps with the the conference a little bit too, because should the Wildcats continue to play at a level like this? Now, of course we know that there's a lot of senior leadership on this team. Um, folks like Chloe Camarero or Rissa Henderson, you know, they're, they're nearing the end of their tenure as Wildcats. And so this will be it for them. Um, but it also kind of helps set the tone for some of these younger teams or these younger players on the team because they've had the opportunity to play teams like number six UCLA, who even though, you know, the Wildcats in the second part of doubleheader on Friday against A&M, um, the Wildcats are losing that game nine to one. Um, UCLA was the number six team in the country, the, the most the winningest team in 
college softball history, you know, the most national championships out of anybody. Like that is a blue blood team and program over there. And like Lauren um, Ho mentioned last week in our interview, that number six was the lowest they had seen that team. And so another, an opportunity to play at their level in Southern California and be invited to these, uh, yeah. these tournaments uh, to play against these, these top ranked teams and come out with a lot of dubs. Um, I think it just bodes well for the future. And it shows that like, Hey, this is a team that I told Dan before we came on the show that it puts the Wildcats in an interesting position because as time goes on, they will no longer be seen as just like a, a doormat, a low level team that, you know, maybe you'll schedule. I don't know. They're in this weird middle middle area now where they can beat you. You should probably beat them if you're a top 10 ranked team, right? Like we saw the Wildcats take on Oregon twice last season down at Grand Canyons tournament. Um, both of those games, you know, rough for the Wildcats, but uh, facing a tough opponent in Oregon, um, facing another tough opponent this season in UCLA and others. Um, but now the Wildcats are kind of in this spot where it's like, you can schedule them and you should probably beat them, but you might not. And so it gives teams sort of this, maybe a little bit of hesitance to just say, yeah, I'll schedule them. I'll, I'll, I'll play them. Like, oh, you better bring, bring, bring your A game because they could probably beat you. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Yeah. So any other thoughts on the, on the 41st uh, ranking in the RPI right now? No, Simon, not even from you. I think, I think it's amazing. Like I, I really do. Um, it, it's one of those things, you know, just with a, with a school like this and especially in preseason, because every player I've talked to, um, you know, before the season began, they were just like, Oh yeah, preseason's hard, you know, um, but it's something you got to go through and helps you prepare for the conference. And I'm like, no, this is like now the conference, the conference is obviously important to win. Um, uh, like now they're actually winning the winning the preseason games and winning these tournaments and everything like that. Um, it goes to show that this, this program is really growing. Um, like I said before, like this is a team that is now getting up and they are now competitive with these bigger programs and they've been proving it. Mm. Um, one thing I didn't note there was that with that 41st RPI ranking, the Wildcats are technically the best team in the state. Um, they're just ahead of Utah, who the Wildcats will see three times in the non-conference schedule. Um, and that, that those games, will the first one will be coming up here in just a, a week or two. And so a good opportunity because the Utes have a good softball team this year. Um, but the Wildcats will also be facing UVU again soon and Utah State. So a lot of in-state games to be played, of course, along with non-in-conference uh, games against SUU and also having played Dixie State. Um, the only team not facing you know the wildcats will not face this so far this season um byu not going to face them but i mean i I think a nice non-conference in-state schedule coming up that will hopefully keep that rpi ranking up especially facing utah three times that's a big deal and so well Well, and if we start to you know do my justification we already beat utah because texas a&m beat utah we beat a&m so i mean we've already beat them so I hope that's what plays out because uh, like I said, the Wildcats will, will face them three times. And uh, I think that they're going to be good games, especially, you know, we talked about where this team is at right now, especially with the, uh, the most complete team, right. Was, was what we talked about. And I think that the pitching staff that they have right now is really the secret. This is why, you know, they have the reigning big sky play, uh, Pitcher of the Year. You have the 2019 West Coast Conference Pitcher of the Year, who I think right now, if this performance continues, she will be the 2022 
Big Sky Conference Pitcher of the Year. Like the numbers yeah. that she's putting up against yeah. the competition that she's facing is just wow. it's just nutso. And so when yeah. the Wildcats get into that conference schedule later in March, I mean, I just I look at I look around the conference like who who's going to be able to deal with that? Texas A and M can't deal with that. You think that Idaho State can deal with it? I don't know. We'll find out. But I think that you know right now all of the all of the stats that Arissa Henderson is compiling lead me to believe that she will be the big sky conference pitcher of the year. And the thing is too, that's even scarier about that is probably one of her teammates is probably going to be the runner up. Like, <laughs> yes. Team is so Mo Ramirez is probably the runner up on that one. Like yeah. it, it's true. They probably have the two best pitchers in the entire conference right there. Yeah. And by the way, when you usually get this good of a team, the, I just looked at the season tickets and the price didn't go up. So we could still buy tickets. I don't know if they're going to go up. They could, but a season ticket right now is uh, $45 or for a family package, which I think you have to buy like six or something. It's like $25 a piece. So that's insane. For season tickets. Best team in Utah. I mean, shoot folks. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Arissa Henderson a little bit specifically because she's currently the uh, she's the co-reigning Big Sky Pitcher of the Week, um, and those numbers, you know, I, I added the Cal Baptist numbers because that 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 announcement came before the Cal Baptist game that she pitched in yesterday, which was a complete game shutout for for her. Um, Wildcats ended up squeaking out a win, one to nothing, getting a run right there at the at the bottom of the. At the top of the sixth or the top of the seventh, I think it was, and then nothing doing for for Cal Baptist in the bottom of seventh, and that was it. That was the game. But um, right now, as it sits in the last week, twenty five point one innings pitched, twenty eight strikeouts, five RBIs, and two home runs, and she's got pitching wins over Texas A and M, Seattle, and Cal Baptist. We've talked about the fact that she has a track record of being successful, but beyond that, I wanted to ask. What what about this year has made her so dominant? Because, you know, she had a little bit of a, a, a maybe some up and down in her time at BYU now transferring to Weber State, you know, renewed her love of the game. And so now she's being absolutely dominant in the in the competition that she's facing. What is it about her approach that makes her so dominant and has shut these good teams down? Um, well, I think one of the interesting things is talking with her. She's someone that um, dealt with an injury in high school that, that kind of figured out she was a phenomenal player um, at high school and just killed everybody. And then her senior year, she actually had a, she had an ATV accident that kind of broke her hand. And then she um, also had to get um, surgery. I, I believe it was her right shoulder. Um, and, you know, it's kind of similar to what happened in, you know, with BYU with the COVID year, which everyone went, went through. Um, but I think that's one of the things is like, um, I think we're just seeing, you know, she's dealt with having to come back from something. She's dealt with having to go to a new place and dominate. And um, it's one of those things where she knows what she's doing and um, she's able to get right on track with Weber and right on track with the pitching and um, renew this incredible pitching, pitching performance that she's given us for years. So. Well, and I think that's something interesting. Even watching Arissa this year has been a little bit interesting. So she came out, pitched a full game against Fordham, and then there were a few games that we saw less of her. Um, and I think even one of the early podcasts, we talked a little bit about that. Like, when do we see more Arissa? Because we saw Mo quite a bit and we talked about how good her showing was. And we're like, but it's going to be exciting to see Arissa. Um, 
And so there were a few games where she, you know, wasn't out there as much, but this, this last week and, you know, the last few games, she's pitched three full games again. Um, she just has an incredible showing with strikeouts. So I think she's getting her groove with our team as well. And it's, and it, she just appears to be unstoppable to tell you the honest to goodness truth. Um, so just, you can see kind of how she's built with our team and she's got some more time out there and it's, it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, because we we noted, you know, the, the the pitching wins for her, and those were all complete games that she pitched in. But she also pitched in the Cal State Fullerton game as well, mm-hmm. um, which, like we talked about, um, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it here in a bit. But um, you know, a disaster. You know, sort of things kind of fell off late in the game, and so the Wildcats ended up losing. But they were in that game for most of it. And two home runs. Like, how awesome is that? Like, we're not just seeing her out there on the mound killing it. Two home runs. Like, just crazy. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about those two home runs is that they're really, really critical. They come at really critical times. And so just just pulling up the stats here, because um, I was trying to find where where which games they came in. But they were really, really big because if I remember right, one of them was like a two run bomb in, um, in in a really critical game. Let me look it up here really quickly. In Fullerton, she had one of them, Colby. Yeah. Um, so one of them in Fullerton and she ended up having oh, these are these are all pitching stats. That's my problem right here. Here we go. This is why I can't find what I want because it's down here. So um, one of those bombs came in Seattle. Um, she had one at, uh, one hit and it was, or she had, sorry, I'm reading this wrong. She had two hits in that game. One of them was a home run, three RBIs um, to put that game out of reach. And then of course she was also on the mound pitching in that game. So some like, you know, we've talked a lot about Mo Ramirez and, you know, her Shohei Otani action, uh, but Arissa Henderson getting in on some of that as well. Uh, and then also she hit one of those those bombs in the Cal State Fullerton game, went one of one with um, one hit and two RBIs. So really, really critical, you know, to kind of give the Wildcats the lead at that point. But man, seems like she's settling in not just on the mound, but also at the plate, which is just, it's great to see. How nice is it to have basically two, two Mariah Ramirez's Two Shohei Otani's. How's that feel, guys? It feels good. I'll take it. <laughs> you can tell she's having a lot of fun too. And and I don't we, we may talk about this later on, but I did watch the game against California Baptist, and she's the one that she hit the single uh that uh I think uh eventually became the score, but I I'm I'm learning about softball, so please bear with me as I as I describe things. So all good. But yeah. So looking that up really quickly. Um, so in the in the Cal Baptist game, um, I was only able to watch uh, just a bit of it. Top of the seventh. Yep. So she does get a hit, and uh, like you said, makes the difference. No RBIs in that game, but no. But uh, like you said, getting getting people around, moving people through, and then the thing I like about this team is that they're very aggressive on the base paths. Would you all agree? They really are. They they play this version of small ball that is very aggressive, and so like they will go, and they will steal second, and they'll even steal third, and sometimes you'll see these double steals from them, which is like, man, that is such a flex (laughs) like to get some of those, right? Because it's like, dang, they both stole at the same, like, and and then you got runners on second and third, and it's just like, my goodness, like, what? What an aggressive team on the base pass. But I think it's paid dividends because the Wildcats have scored a lot of runs. And I I could look up, you know, what they're averaging per game, but it just feels like they're just they take those chances, but they do so in really key moments. And f- for the most part, it has paid off for them in big ways. 
Yeah. And it was Frack stealing. Uh, she tried to steal second and then almost got out, but she didn't get out. I remember that. And then she ended up stealing a base and it was because she stole a base that she was able to eventually score in that game. So that's what won the game. It was pretty exciting to see one of the things. That won the game. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good things to like from the last weekend. Um, but let's talk about the Cal state Fullerton game. Uh, because I think that uh, with all the good things happening, this one was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, Wildcats were, you know, leading for a good a good portion of the game. Um, you know, they scored three runs in the second. They had a, a, a fourth in the third. And so they're up four to none until the fifth when, you know, they gave up a run. So, okay, now it's four to one. No problem. Four to one. Very manageable for this Wildcat team. But then the bottom of the six shows up. They give up seven. And so where they were up four to one, now they're down eight to four. I mean, Jessica, you talked about how, how you, you know, turned the game on and you were able to watch it. Talk to us, you know, did you, did you see that part? T- take us through that and kind of like what, what happened for the Wildcats to give up seven runs in the bottom of the six when the game is so close to being over? So I think it, it was right after, and I, I have to double check this, but uh, Mo comes out and hit a batter. I think when she, on the first pitch that she had, the first pitching series, she came out and um, hit a batter. And I think played a little bit safe after that because it was one inning where they got all their runs. And I'll, I need to spot check myself while I say it, but I'm 99% sure that's what it was. And I think it's momentum shift shifted at that point. Um, we just played a little bit safer when we were pitching from that point, we switched off of Arissa and, and the momentum you could see it visibly shift in the game and Cal state Fullerton being a team as good as they are, saw us kind of catch ourselves and took advantage of it. And they had some good hits and, um, we had a couple errors coming out and, and we just couldn't come back from it. Now it was good to see because when we got to the seventh inning, because the six was just uh, n- not great. In the seventh, we came back at one point, I think we had bases loaded and we did end up getting um, one run in. So we started to get that momentum back. And when I was watching the game, I was like, if only it was nine innings, I think we could pull this one out because we looked good so far through the game. And then you even heard the uh, commentator saying like, Cal State Fullerton has a history of coming back in the end like this. You don't see a whole lot of teams that have the ability to come back this deep into the game and they've done it before and they did it here. And so I think that it's not only us kind of catching ourselves and, you know, losing a little bit about that momentum, but we played a team that typically does well in the later innings and they did here as well. And so I think just the combination of that, it, shifted the momentum a little bit. It's still a good game to watch, but you could visibly see how we just played a little bit different just between I, I turned it on in the fourth inning and you could, you could see the game shift. Yeah. And and a good point about uh, the pitching changes, right? Because we have, we see th- three pitchers in this one. Um, like you said, Arisa Henderson there, but then also Mo Ramirez and Mandy Sink. And we even see a little bit of, um, of Brooke Hatfield as well. And so four pitchers, in this game, trying to figure out what the answer is after, you know, a long week, if we're being honest, like, you know, some, some tough competition and Cal State Fullerton is a tournament team regularly. You know, the Wildcats did beat them in 2019 in the first round, you know, well, in the regionals of the NCAA tournament it was the first NCAA tournament win in conference history delivered by the Wildcats. Many of the, the, the leaders of this team were on that team. And so uh, a team not unfamiliar to the Wildcats. And like you said, um, maybe a little bit of 
a little bit of Wildcats in them because we, we started to call this team the no quit cats, right? Because we saw that against like UVU where they're down pretty, pretty a lot, you know, early and like, oh, shoot. And they end up just coming back and then walking them off. <laughs> it's just an absolutely insane, you know, what, what was that game, folks? Like nine to eight. And a game ended up being nine to eight, which just nuts. Uh, but, you know, Cal State Fullerton maybe got a little bit of that themselves, right? And so scoring seven in the bottom of the sixth to go up big. Eight to four, and Wildcats only get one able to get one back in the top of the seventh, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one thing to like emphasize too. Like it, it, it is bad to you know lose to a comeback right there. Um, never fun, but this is Cal State Fullerton still. You know, this is a good program. This is not you know. It, it's not your typical loss. Like this is this is a really good program. This is a and. You know, the fact that we have that much offensive production against, you know, one of the top teams, um, you know, in the country um, is is remarkable. Um, we had, you know, the host sisters just killing it. Um, you know, you had Chloe Camarero getting in on the action, everything like that. So uh, it, it's unfortunate that it happened, but at the same time, not a total loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, the case. Um so we got a, you know, Dan, Dan pointing out here in the chat that, um, you know, he, he's got his, his nickname for Arissa Henderson. Um, but we've got another one, Rake and Rissa. I mean, that's a good one too, especially like we said, those two bombs over the last weekend, um, pretty big deal. But so after probably what is arguably the toughest non-conference schedule in school history, I mean, this one has been something folks like this has been really, really been something. They played a lot of quality teams talked about the UNLV wins. We've talked about facing Texas A&M, UCLA, the number six team in the country and the winningest program in, in college softball history, um, facing Cal State Fullerton, who is consistently a tournament team. And so a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of really good quality programs and the Wildcats sit at 17 and four. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty astounding mark considering who they faced what do you think has been the secret to achieving at such a high level this season? Like what is that secret sauce that the, that the Wildcats seem to have to be able to win in clutch situations? Um, I think we kind of been talking about it a lot this show. I think it's uh, the, the pieces that they've added this season and specifically Arissa Henderson. Um, I think it just pushed them to the next level. You know, you get, you get these seniors who have had a ton of experience with Coach Amicon, and we kind of talked about that um, on the basketball show just earlier this week about how, you know, once you have seniors there and people who have played with the team for a long time, they start to know the plays as well as the coach knows the plays. They start to know what's going on in the game as well as Coach Amicon does. And that's when it gets dangerous, and that's when, you know, you see these teams get um, really good and, it's just that senior level mentality right there of the Wildcats um, that I think is one of the reasons why they've, they've been there. They've been, they've played UCLA. They've played these tough teams and now we're seeing it at a senior level and they're like, okay, I know how to handle this team. Um, I know how coach Amicom wants to handle this team. So I think that's one of the things that gets it up there is just those new pieces and also that experience level. Yeah, it's a good yeah, point. I think it's experience. I'd also say it's depth, right? Like, especially at pitcher, um, we, we, we've got just some incredible depth. We've seen a, a lot of, um, a, a little bit of time from a lot of players. Um, so I think that we absolutely have seniors who have a lot of experience who know each other and know the plays, like I agree everything with what Simon's saying, but I think we've got some depth and some key positions, um, that we can rotate, 
out Arissa right now and there's Mo, but like, it's great because you could start with either one of them. Right. And you're going to have an incredible game. And I, I think that when you've got a, a leading player like that with some pretty incredible pitchers, then it helps just motivate the rest of the team. And it's, it's great to see that we've had a lot of players have some time out there and, you know, some at bats. So we continue to build it moving forward. Mm. Dan, what about your when thoughts? I, when I see this team, we see a team that they, they're on a mission. They, uh, they, the season didn't end or the tournament didn't end the way they wanted it to. And so they came back ready to perform it and they had goals and they were they're they're ready to take it to the next level. And then you combine that with Arissa Henderson, who also has something to prove and, and she comes and joins the team. And so you've got this combination of leadership, as was mentioned. And on top of that, you've got this shared vision where it's a great fit. Uh, this team just fits together really, really well. And yeah. And, and then you combine that with the talent. Wow. It's a fun season. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, just to kind of, you know, echo you all a little bit, but also kind of back it up with some statistics. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that, that the senior leadership in this team is kind of leading the way. I look at batting average thus far this season, Faith Ho leading the team, hitting 413, followed by Chloe Camarero, you know, uh, you know, fifth year senior, followed by Casey Whiting hitting 365, followed by Arissa Henderson, who is also, you know, a grad transfer to, to with the Wildcats. This will be her sole season in a Wildcat uniform. And then Mia Rushton, who, you know, is a sophomore, but has done a really great job of, of finding her, her way on base. And that's why, you know, she is in that leadoff spot. And so you look through that and it's like, of those, everyone except for Mia is a junior or better, you know, or higher. Yeah. So it's like, that's just, that's just leadership right there. And then, you know, looking on the other side walks, you know, being patient at the dish, waiting for your pitch, Chloe, Chloe Camarero leading the team with nine walks total this season, followed by Casey Whiting, followed by Faith Ho followed by sophomore Mia Rushton and then Arissa Henderson. And so it's the same cast of characters leading a batting average as, as it is with walks. And so you just see this group and you say, okay, it is a group that is very experienced and has the ability to, you know, see what they want to see and are able to, you know, in some cases get through some, some trials, some hardships, like we talked about with the UVU game, uh, you know, the Wildcats have had some comeback moments themselves this season. Um, but then the other piece to this, I think is the, the pitching because the pitching is really, I think the difference maker in these big games that has allowed the Wildcats to be there, right? Like we've seen where if the pitching falters even just a little bit to a team like Cal State Fullerton, they're going to pounce. They're going to mm. get you and they're going to they're going to put up seven in, in the bottom of a frame and then the game is going to be out of reach. Right. That largely has not happened to the Wildcats this season. You know, that's really only happened, I guess, maybe in two games at the most. You know, we could talk about the UCLA game and we can talk about the Cal State Fullerton game. And that's really it. Right. Like the Wildcats have done a very good job of pitching the ball and keeping keeping opponents off of the base paths or leaving opponents on the base paths once they're on um, because there's they're just doing a, such a good job of getting through focusing on the next batter and saying, okay, or playing great defense. And so I think that those two factors are, have, have been what has led this wildcat team to be as successful as they are at 17 and four with one more big tournament coming up this weekend in San Diego, facing San Diego state twice, facing Cal state Northridge twice facing, you know, uh, the, the host, the University of San Diego, the Toreros, um, once as well. And so just good competition 
with, you know, coupled with senior leadership and great pitching have culminated in just this absolutely dynamite season thus far at 17 and four. And I think that if we were all, you know, if we were back sitting at the beginning of beginning of February and saying, all right, guys, in the month of, you know, in the first month of, of the season, you're going to go 17 and four and have wins over A&M and you're going to be UNLV twice. And, you know, you're going to be right there in, in a lot of games. I think we'd all be overjoyed. Like we, we would probably punch that future us in the face and be like, you're lying. <laughs> right. Because it's too crazy. Yeah. So, um, we've talked a lot about this team. We've talked a lot about the success. Um, last thing I wanted to point out was the Wildcats are currently ninth in RPI among non P five schools. So of schools that are non power five, the Wildcats are the ninth best of those. What do you think folks? Can it continue? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like, like we said, you know, it, it's one of those things where the reason that um, we're probably going to fall on that um, list is because, you know, the competition just, um, you know, once the competition drops our um, our ranking drops a little bit, but that's the thing with the other, you know, non-power five schools is, you know, they're, they're dealing with the exact same thing. So I think it's one of the things where we can actually like maintain that right there and, you know, still, still show out as one of the top teams, you know, in the country, especially for non-power five schools. I, I think we've got the skill level, everything to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'd fall and agree with Simon there. I think when it comes to non-power five schools, we absolutely have, solid strength of schedule. We have solid strength of schedule moving forward when we, you know, we're still like you've mentioned earlier playing university of Utah a few times. So I think when it comes, um, overall, I do think we're, we're going to fall just by the nature of our schedule with uh, the overall RPI, but I think non power five conference, we, we, we to stay right, right up there for sure. Indeed. Dan final thought. I'm excited to see, uh, the first home game I'm looking at it right now. Um, not to be jumping around, but that's, that's what I'm thinking about with this. Yeah. I think, uh, there's no reason why we should drop off on the non-power five RPI because, uh, this team has it. They believe in it. Uh, one of the things not to go family science, but I'm going to go family science for a second. (laughs) When I'm lecturing my students, I always ask them, okay, have you ever had that moment like the week before finals where you said to yourself, I don't know how the heck I'm going to get through this. I, I edited that a little bit, how the heck I'm going to get through this. And, and I asked them to raise their hands and, and the majority of the class raised their hands. And I said, you're here. Right. And they said, yeah. I said, so you got through it. And they said, yes. And I said, that's because, you know, whatever you did, you, you were persistent. You stuck with it. This is a team that senior leadership, if you were to deconstruct it, they've been there. They've been to all these different places. And uh, the $5 word here is self-efficacy. They believe that they can do it. They know they have what it takes. They may not know exactly what's going to get them there, but every game they expect to win. And it's because of that experience that they've had in the past where they've seen themselves come out of those, uh, dig out of those holes. They're going to have that uh, confidence with them and they're going to take it into the uh, conference play. And I'm excited. All right. There's the final word, folks. Um, Let's take a quick peek at the upcoming schedule before we wrap up here. Um, Like I said, the Wildcats will be facing uh, San Diego State on Thursday, March 10th. So that's tomorrow. That game will be at 6 p.m. Mountain um, MST. They're going to be streaming on YouTube. Uh, There's a link on the website right now, or if you have the, the Weber State app, there, there's a link there. And so you'll be able to watch that on YouTube. Um, And then Friday, doubleheader, 
facing San Diego State uh, at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Then uh, right after that, uh, Cal State Northridge, 3.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I believe that if one game is going to be uh, streamed on YouTube, that they all would be streamed on YouTube. Is that yeah. is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I bet so. Yeah, I mean, because that's how the UNLV um, mm-hmm. tournament was. Um, I think that's uh, the Dixie State tournament was a little bit weird. But uh, but yeah. Um, and so two games there on Friday, and then two more games on Saturday. Wildcats face Cal State Northridge at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, which, by the way, that's that's 9 a.m. in California. That's a, that's an early game. Waking up, eating some bacon and then playing some softball. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then the Wildcats will be facing uh, host the University of San Diego at 12.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, and that'll wrap up the conference uh, or that'll wrap up not just the road trip down to California, but that will wrap up that tournament as well. And then they get to go and have spring break. Um, and then, like you said, Dan, um, coming up on Tuesday, March 22nd, that will be the home opener against UVU. Uh, UVU may be looking for some revenge after the way things went last time against Dixie State. Um, so we'll uh, or down at Dixie State. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, a, a good upcoming schedule and and a, and a good run. Um, so let's hope the Wildcats can continue to keep it up this weekend against some stiff competition, especially San Diego State. Um, I was I was thinking about this and I was like, if the Wildcats are able to you know somehow get some uh, a couple more wins against San Diego State, does that make them the Mountain West Conference champions? Mm-hmm. It does. Absolutely. Then we'll throw in Utah State, beat them a little bit farther down. Totally Mountain West Conference champions. Can't totally. wait. Can't <laughs> wait. So, well, folks, want to appreciate uh, everybody here who took some time to be on the panel. We'll wrap up the show. Email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got the Patreon and then the blog. Um, so, appreciate all of you, like I said, for taking some time to be a part of this panel to talk some softball with me. Uh, and I'll wrap it up like I usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>